Hollywood Live Extra with Tanya Hart. Imagine beginning your professional acting career convincing Francis Ford Coppola that you have a good idea for a scene. And then you move on to work with not only him, but film artists like Stanley Kubrick, Spike Lee, Charles Bronson, just to name a few. Well, that is my guest story today. Say hello to actor Kirk Taylor. How are you? Hey there. Glad to be with you today. On this yeah, rainy California day. On a rainy California rainy, yeah. day. Yes, it really is. And I'm so glad you're here on this coast with me because half the people we do are on the East Coast. And I'm like, well, you know, it's like a whole different thing out here today. So good. Kirk and I are here in the rain. You know, it's funny, We're Kirk. You, you are clearly one of those guys that people, when they see your photo and they hear your voice here, they're going to say, oh, yeah, it's that guy. We always see him on TV and movies. And we call it a character actor. You know, how yeah. important is it to play your best shot even if sometimes you end up on the cutting room floor well yeah I've had to deal with that quite a bit you always have to go into it 100% and and um, anticipate you're going to actually make it to the screen I mean the process is a crazy process with everything from getting uh, representation to then petitioning to get an audition and then going through the callbacks and then getting the role then actually making it to set they didn't cut your character from the script yet and then shooting it and then you make it through the editing process, and, uh, and and but there are so many things that can go wrong along the way. You know, like I I was cut out mm-hmm. completely from, I was had a very very funny role and in, uh, in uh, Jungle Fever with Spike Lee. I had done School Days with mm-hmm. him, and uh, played Sir Nose in School Days as a Parliament Funkadelic. Uh, fan, <laughs> and uh, they they completely cut me. I had a great scene with Wesley Snipes and Spike. It was very very funny because Wesley, during the scene or after the scene was wrapped, he fell down uh, some stairs and was was rolling around on the ground. <laughs> and Spike <laughs> said, "No, we can't. You, you we can't use that bit. You you can't. It's too controversial. It's it's look at Wesley. He pointed to Wesley on the ground. <laughs> so right. yeah, it's a it's, uh, it's it's a kind of a crazy process. And I've had films where. Um, I actually made it through the edit, um, but then my name wasn't in the credits. I mean, so th- all kinds of things can happen yeah. on the on the journey. Wow. That was a film called MacArthur Park with uh, Billy Worth and uh, Miguel Nunez, oh, yeah. a host of right. great actors. <clears throat> and uh, I went to Sundance that year to see the film, and I was it was one of those uh, times when you watch a film and you believe the character. Like I know it was mm-hmm. me. And you were very, we can be very hard on ourselves as artists. But I looked yes. at that and I was like, I believe that guy. I believe mm-hmm. that guy. That's a cop. And um, <laughs> the credits start rolling and my name's not in the credits. I mean, I'm not in the credits. I mean, and it was crushing. Oh, I went well, to a subsequent to screening where Sidney Portier was there and his daughter, Sidney Tamia, was in it. She had a nice part. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the credits had rolled, and I walked out and shook it off because every time I see my name's not there, I would just put, I would just put my head down like, oh lord. Mm-hmm. And I look up, and who's coming through the crowd? Sidney Poitier. I said, that's Sidney Poitier. And he's getting close. I said, is he coming over here? I said, oh my gosh, he's coming over here. And he walked right up. To me. He said, excuse me. I said, excuse me. I said, oh oh, hello, Mr. Poitier. He said, I wanted to ask you. I I, I watched you very closely. And I did not know if you were a real cop or if you were an actor. I thought to myself, that cop should be an actor. And that is meant to be a compliment to you. And I, at that point, I was, I was in shock. I said, sir, thank you. I said, that, that, that means so much to me. I said, you know, they left my name out of the credits and he interrupted me. He says, no, where you're going in your career, that will not matter. 
He said, the presence you bring to the screen. And at that point, Tanya, I literally shut down. Like, I couldn't receive any more compliments from Sidney Poitier. I just was overwhelmed. And I just watched his lips move for the next minute. Literally. And and thought, Mr. Tibbs, in the heat of the night, that's Mr. Tibbs. Mr. Tibbs is complimenting me. So, you know, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. But that was a, you know, I've heard one author call it a God wink. I sometimes call it Mm -hmm. a God nod. Where it's like, right? like you, you, you may be forgotten by other people, but God's like, I know who you are, and I sent you one of the, the, the great actors of any generation, really, to come mm-hmm. and tell you, give you right. that compliment, and to let you know that you are valuable, that you're seen, and that you did a great job. I mean, that for that compliment from Sidney Poitier, the ultimate compliment, I didn't know if you were a real actor right. or a real cop. Yeah, I would see? have them leave my name out of the credits again and I do it for free <laughs> I do that film for free well you know it's interesting because you have taken though your gift because acting is such a gift people don't realize that often everybody thinks oh this is something I could do no you can't uh, you have to study and you have been teaching uh, of course anybody in the business knows the name Lee Strasberg or Stella Adler <laughs> the great yeah. acting coaches of of really all time and you, I know That's you true. studied with both of them and then you have you started teaching yourself and I mean you've taught a bunch of really big name folks that we all know so when you're te- when you're actually teaching acting what is that what do you how what is that process like yeah well it's, it's kind of like deconstruction construction because you have to in a way something that may have become second nature to you I mean there's technique involved in it but there's aspects of it that you start to you know like with anything with practicing the piano eventually the technique becomes secondary you don't think about the technique so you have to kind of deconstruct it and it's a good thing for my acting to tell you the truth because um, I got to really experiment a little bit in class pass on the things that I learned uh, uh, go back to my notes that from Lee and also I had worked with Stella Adler in her script interpretation class and she was Brando's teacher so I was working with two of the great teachers who of all, as you said of all time I mean literally they changed the face of acting not just in the mm-hmm. United States but in the world through their direct teaching and then through their disciples whether it be Brando or James Dean Marilyn Monroe uh, Montgomery Clift and you know Dustin Hoffman, uh, right. Marlon Brando. I mean, all these folks that we admire. I was in class with this guy, and at first, I didn't really dawn on me what I, where I was and the great opportunity. And then I, my eyes just like opened up. I was like, Oh my gosh, he's telling us stories about. He would be telling us stories about you know people that he had worked with and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and trained. Um, so teaching is just very satisfying too to see to be able to embrace these young actors and to be part of the historical chain if you if it, you know if you will mm-hmm. uh, where this this work came in the 20s to the United States Richard Bolosovsky and uh, Maria Espenskaya opened the American Lab Theater Lee Strasberg chain, uh, trained there so he was getting that the Stanislavski legacy the Stanislavski system here in the United States and then he he, he uh, birthed the group theater tried out all of Stanislavski's techniques and see what would work in our short rehearsal process in Western theater here. And now it's been passed on by other teachers and I got it and now I'm able to pass it on to uh, so these students. And so it's a, it's a wonderful historical chain. It's a great uh, privilege and a great responsibility as well. Where I'm it representing in a sense, Lee Strasberg in this generation, you know, which is pretty wow. outstanding. 
That is. And, and you know, it's still working for you, too, because you just completed. I mean, you could, you guys just did the musical film revival called Revival. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. right. It's the a new rendering of the gospel, according to John, uh, which has yeah. been around for a long time. This one is produced and starring also Harry Lennox from The Blacklist. Yeah. We know Harry from so many things. And you also, have a big yeah. part in this playing uh, Cephas, also known as Simon Peter. Yeah, Tell us I a little bit a- about that. Tanya, I have such a good part in this. I mean, it was, you know, it was almost as if my whole life had prepared me. And, and that's how you'll find it sometimes. Actors will tell you that very often they get roles at the right time where mm-hmm. they're dealing with a certain thing or where they've reached a certain place or they have a certain uh, experience and understanding. It's happened so many times with me. And again, I think I, I kind of see God's hand in that. There's like a preparation and then you wonder why you went through that and then something opens up. You're like, are you kidding me? This is this right. is perfect timing for what I'm dealing with, and so mm-hmm. that's the way it was. Revival, where you know there've been a couple times where I've you know because I have been missing from the film scene and TV scene. At least not, I've been always doing stuff, but not so big. I mean, I was doing two or three mm-hmm. films a year in the '80s and '90s, and then going into 2000, I started doing. I went back to stage. I was teaching. Uh, I was singing. I was doing musical stuff. So this. There have been a couple times when I've stepped away, but every time I've stepped away, Revival is one example, and the film right before that, uh, The Angriest Man in Brooklyn, I, where I literally I said, you know what, I, I've had success in this field, and, and maybe I'll come back mm-hmm. to it, but I think I'm gonna, I'm thinking about stepping away for a little while and just, you know, fully committing to some of the songs and, and music right. and selling these tunes or whatever. And every time, Tanya, that I've done that, <laughs> it's like God does not let it happen. One right. morning I you got up with my wife and I said, you know what? I felt so strongly that I was to come to California from New York for my film and television career. <clears throat> and I'm working, but not enough to justify staying in it, to be honest. I mean, I thought I would be moving to be more. And so maybe it's time. I said, would you please pray for me? And she said, what do you want me to pray? I said, just pray that God would be super. If he wants me to continue to act super clear, super clear. Uh, mm-hmm. And if not, be super clear and I'll... If you want me to sweep streets, I'll do it. You want me to go back full-time to teaching, because I only coach right now. And so she said, okay. She prayed she got out of bed, and I was not out of bed yet, and the phone rang. And I picked it up, and it was Martin from my old management, Central Artist, and he said, Kirk, um, this is Martin. I said, hey, Martin. He says, uh, Kirk, we we were just contacted by a major motion picture, and they want to know your availability next Friday. So I was like, whoa. Well, I guess that's the sign. <laughs> Say it again. I said that was the sign, wasn't it? Oh my gosh! I mean, you can, you know, and those kind of things that come to us, we can brush them off to coincidence, or you can understand that there really is not. I mean, coincidence is not. It's very, very rare that it's just coincidental. There's usually something behind it, and in this case, it was. It was just too glaringly true. I mean, like to have prayed thirty seconds before the phone rang right. and didn't have that, and then within a week, Tanya. I'm, I'm in a New York cop uniform and I have a squad car next to me in L.A. standing in front of Mila Kunis and Robin Williams in a, a major scene that had been added by my, my friend and one of my favorite directors, Phil Robinson, who directed Field of Dreams and some other great projects. And I'm with, and I'm with Robin Williams. And so I pinched myself. And I said, okay, Lord, got it. Got mm-hmm. it. And got so the it. same this thing happened with I'm Revival where do. I was not really looking for it. And... Um, uh, my wife was the script supervisor on it. My friend John Vaughn, who's one of the producers, John Vaughn Schuckman, he was on it. Mm-hmm. And they said, Let's, look, we're going to pitch you to Harry. I said, okay. 
And they pitched me to Harry. And Harry said, yeah, yeah, bring him in to meet the director. So I was like, wow. what? And so I, I didn't audition. No? I just came in. I met with Danny Green and uh, uh, Albana Dodeva, one of the other producers. They liked me and put me in the role. First, I had the role of Andrew, which was not the great fit. But it was still, mm. you know, he was one of the disciples. Mm. And then right. it shifted because uh, Andrew didn't sing. And I sing, although I have kept that a little bit quiet with like mm-hmm. separating the acting and the music in a way on purpose from back in the day. It was a little I bit of a stigma. That. If yeah, you were a musical was, theater was, person, you couldn't get film, you know, serious film stuff. And I wanted to work that's in film. That's true. So, uh, you know, I, I, it opened up and I had Peter and, and Peter or Cephas. Cephas is an Aramaic version of Peter. So mm-hmm. Simon Peter, Simon becomes, you know, Simon Peter is Cephas in this one, which is a great technique to throw people off so they don't anticipate the story. And I'm singing this one. I have a song with, uh, it's a trio of us singing a song. It's a Doubting Thomas Fugue. I think that's what Molly calls it. (laughs) And so this is, this opened up and my life had prepared me for it. From my study of scripture, from my prayer life, from my experiencing the highs and lows of this business, of life, of loss, of gain. All of it seemed to come together and I, it was like a, like something a flame got lit. There was like a spark that came from my experience yeah. to Peter's experience where I could understand him. I understood his impulsiveness. I understood his strength, that he was a rugged guy, that he was a, a committed man. He was passionate. He was also um, foolish at times. And he was, fun, he yeah. he's tripped up. He made mistakes. He, he had great loss. And I was like, wow, okay. I know how to personalize that. And uh, from studying some of the first century, I found a first century writer that wrote about Peter's um, experience right before his crucifixion. And everything just, everything fell into place. You know what's really amazing? Uh, Simon Peter's house, now I would say something that's really amazing, you're going on about Simon Peter. You know his house is still standing over in Israel. No, I didn't know that. It is still standing. I've been there. It's a stone it's just a stone structure, and it all of the things that you were just saying reminded me of that because you could feel this man. I mean, his house is still standing. It's just like it's got to be what? How nine thousand, ten thousand years? Oh, who knows? But wow. it is still standing it's been, yeah, today. Two thousand years. It's still it's still standing. Yeah. It's still standing. I want everybody to know that they're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. I'm Tanya Hart. My guest today is Kirk Taylor, who's just got great stories and lots of stuff to tell. Kirk, I've got to ask you, though, you know, and I don't even know if you've heard this. We just found out that we lost a very longtime friend of American Urban Radio Networks here today. Uh, Christoph St. John is, has really? left us. Yes. Found out this morning. Whoa. And it, and I know, and I didn't want to shock you like that, but I bring it up only because he has been such a presence. Talk about acting and in the soap opera realm, because, you know, the young and the oh, restless yeah. is Christoph St. John. And as an acting coach, teacher, and an actor, I just wanted you to kind of touch a little bit on what it takes to do those soap operas, because people have no idea how hard that is, too. Oh, yeah, you need special chops to do that, you know? Um, and I'm glad we have... Um, record of his work. What a, a talented, handsome man! Uh, you know, just a, a workhorse over there um, and, and doing his thing. And there used to be a saying before there was film and before there was television, when it was simply stage acting. Many, many, you know, a long time ago. But they used mm-hmm. to say that there's nothing as dead as a dead actor, because, <laughs> right? You got nothing. Yep. You got stories. You don't have a you don't have a, the paintings of Modigliani or or uh, the, the 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 music left by Beethoven. You have nothing. You have stories. There's nothing. It's in the air. 
Now we have it's a different generation where we we can we can we can honor him. We can look back to what he did. We can appreciate his work, um, and you know it, it's you know his legacy is, is very very important. I mean, and that's what we're what we do is in a sense immortalized uh, through you know through these different mediums. And so yeah, what a great thing that we can still uh, talk about him. That we can see his work. That we and I'm sure they're going to be doing retrospectives about him. Um, so I don't know if I answered that. What was it? I think I no. That no, no. I, I think no, no. You did. We were. T- I was just saying. You know what it really takes to do that daily grind of a of an acting gig. It's a soap opera, and people think, okay, it's a soap opera, but that's such a daily grind kind of a thing that you have to really be on your game. I know every single day. And Christoph was. Certainly. You're getting scripts like every every day, every other day. I mean, every, that's right. I mean, even just the volume of of memorization. Which, of course, is not the main thing with acting, but if you're put in a crunch situation where you have to do it overnight, it becomes, you have to have a certain skill level and a certain aptitude to do that. It's not easy. Some actors will hire, I know actors that will hire people to come and read with them. Just hire you to come in and and let you uh, work on memorizing the, the role. It's a wise thing. My wife just finished a show called Wisdom of the Crowd with Jeremy Piven and those folks, and one of the actors on that show... Jeremy Piven went up to him and says, you, you really want to get your lines down? The guy said, yep. Yep. He had somebody coming in and working with yep. him uh, a couple days a week just to make sure he had his lines up. And so what he, what uh, Christoph was able to do for years, that's not easy. And then as you get older, you, sometimes you don't remember as well. That's but true. But he kept it going. You know, so that yeah, it is. It, it takes it's a lot, him. and then then trying to add the emotional elements and other character elements that you're bringing in. So yeah, that's it's it's a uh, it, it takes it's the, one of the best paying jobs in the business because it's so regular. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes year round, but it's it's one of the hard gigs to do. So it really is. Well, God awesome, bless man. him. We loved him. I'm sure we'll yeah. be hearing more. Um, Kirk, thank you so much. Keep us abreast of what you're doing next. Uh, I, you know, once we, when is Revival going to be available? Is that out right now? Revival is going to be out. It, it, they did a soft opening in December. Got a great reaction, so they're going to open in I think 30 markets in April, which is perfect because it's oh great Gospel of John. It's got crucifixion in it, so it's going to be uh, you know Easter time. You know, right. in April oh, of 2019. Perfect. And people can, Perfect. you know, if they want to, uh, you know, uh, revivalthemovie.com will have, uh, you know, updated schedules. And also, if they want to stay in touch with me, you know, I can be contacted if they want to see what I'm doing. I'm at I am Kirk Taylor, K-I-R-K, Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, for Instagram and Twitter and, and uh, all that stuff. Oh, great. Well, listen, thank you. You stop by anytime to say hello. We will definitely be letting people know again about Revival around that time of the year. Thank you so much, Kirk, for joining us my today. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so much. And absolutely. And for our audience, don't forget to subscribe to Hollywood Live Extra. You can get it through SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. Make sure you download all of them because we've got close to 100 of these already. You don't want to miss any of them. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. I'm Tanya Hart. This is Hollywood Live Extra at AURN.com. Hollywood Live Extra, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.